Countdown clock passes 50 days to go and with crucial qualification points on offer, the next seven weeks is sure to be an exciting ride in the race to Milan. And over the course of the next 30 minutes, we'll hear from those in contention for the next-gen ATP finals. A lot of young guys are coming through quite well now and I think we're improving, um, starting to play great tennis. I think it motivates us to, to work even harder, so... We are looking to each other and support each other, so yeah, it helps for us. It gives us extra motivation and encourages us. You could say even 15 to 20 deserve to make it this year. You know, really, there's that many great players out there, and I'm honored that I'm uh, among one of them. It'd be an incredible tournament to play, and I think it's really cool that the rules are going to be different. You know, it's it's always cool to to play something different and uh, try new things out. So uh, yeah, I would be really excited to go and play that. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio on TuneIn and iTunes. The next-gen ATP Finals take place the week before the NITO ATP Finals in London from the 7th to the 11th of November. And one man who will be keeping a close eye on qualification is the ATP's Chief Player Officer, Ross Hutchins, who's also the Tournament Director of the Finals. And with recent standout performances by some of the Milan hopefuls, Seb Lozio put it to Ross that a number of these next-gen stars are rapidly becoming now-gen. They are, and that's ultimately what we wanted to do. Um, they have stepped up and they've realised that this is a platform for them to really shine and where the the tennis world and the global world of sport are going to start recognising these players ranked from 30 to 80 is approximately what their ranking would be. So they are very, very, very good tennis players. And ultimately now they've responded by saying, well, thanks ATP for that platform. Now we're going to go for that with improve our game and get the results. And it's gone hand in hand and we're, we're thrilled with it. To be honest, you look at players like Jared Donaldson, Francis Tierfo, Karen Kachanov, Sasha Zverev, all these players, Borna Choric, I mean, I, I know I'm missing many out here, but there's probably 10 guys that have responded very, very well to this and who are very keen to make the next-gen ATP finals in Milan. And it's, it's a real focal point for them because it's, it's a way to market these players in a certain way which maybe they haven't done in the past and for people to be aware of who's coming through the ranks and also put them on a platform which they deserve at the end of the year where fans, TV, media, sponsors, uh, they can see this next group and give them a taste of hopefully what's to come in their career. And they, they, they deserve every credit they get, their training their socks off every single day. They're young, fresh. So they're not inferior of this this current, uh, as you call it, now gen group. Uh, they're not. They're not inferior of them. So they're pushing those guys hard. Um, so we've got really strong tiers of players that are blending into one now. You have the, the top players that are have always been at the front the last few years, but then that second tier of players in the way, which has been the Dimitrios Raonic's Nishikori's, who, have, who are still beating the top players and who are still around. And then you've got this new generation that are pushing them that's becoming a blend where anyone can be anyone. Um, so it's great to see and we're very excited by this event. Um, and as we say, that the race to Milan is hotting up in a, in a major way. And remind us of the innovations that are being trialled there, just because I think it's interesting for everyone uh, who's who's uh, interested in tennis. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the thinking behind it was we have, you know, 63 tournaments on the tour which play traditional ways, and then you have the, the Grand Slams as well, and you have the Davis Cup, which plays traditional. And then we thought, why not do one event when we're in a very strong position to, to just to test things, to have a look at whether we can put these players in a different atmosphere, uh, which is going to be you know, very vibrant in Milan, and also test case new innovation when the sport's doing well. And there's going to be a time where we need to test these things, so why not do it on a bigger platform? So we're going to be looking at a, firstly, different scoring format, where it's first of four games, best of five sets. So there'll be a tiebreak at three all, so the score could be 4-1, 4-2, 4-3, with a tiebreak in the third set, or it could be five sets, you know, where it's uh, first of four again. So that's probably the easiest way to explain that one. We're going to look at the, the no ads, which we currently have in doubles in the ATP World Tour. We're looking at the no let, where you play a let. We're looking at free crowd movement to try and stop having play, uh, the fans having to wait outside for changeovers. Uh, this won't affect the server because we're not going to allow people in behind the server's Baltos. Um, so that will be a, a very sort of immersive, um, open, free way for the, fa- for the fans to integrate with the, with the match. Um, we're going to be looking at uh, a lot of different atmospheric things on, on the courts that we can also look at doing. Uh, there'll be a shot clock on the court, so there'll be a limited warm-up, so reducing the warm-up majorly, uh, trying to almost have more competitive tennis more often. So less downtime in between matches, less downtime of the warm-up, shot clocks in between points uh, and in between sets based on. There's going to be coach communication with headsets, so we're not going to have the coach walking on the court, but but at the end of each set, most likely we're going to have players communicate with their coach, uh, for broadcast for the world to see so those are sort of six or seven of the things and maybe a couple more which we're looking at trying to implement over the next couple of months so there are exciting things that we're trying to push the boat and, and be a little bit risky with but ultimately we think this is a perfect platform to do that so that we can actually have a look what could be the future of our sport and if not at least we've tried it and we think that it goes well with the next generation of players potentially looking at the next generation of fans and the next generation of our sport or what world sport could be in the future and the face of the future could very well be this man Zverev is the champion in Montreal he is no longer a next gen hope he is taking his place at the absolute top of the game as Vera wins his second Masters 1000 title of the year. I mean, all the hard work that I did in the offseason, I think all the physical work that I did uh, helped me a lot. Uh, I think that's the biggest improvement I've made this year, uh, being physically stronger, being, you know, being able to last against the top guys, and uh, that's why I'm playing so well. You know, if you're perfectly prepared off the court and, you know, you've done everything in practice, you know, ma- playing matches is the easy part kind of because you know that you're well prepared and you know that you're going to leave everything out there. Grigor Dimitrov. He's one of the best players right now without a doubt. He's been having a tremendous uh, tremendous success I think and he's been pretty constant I think throughout the year. Quite a few titles. Alexander Zverev Jr. is a Masters 1000 champion. His first title coming here in Rome. And is the first player born in the 1990s to win a Masters 1000 title. Dominic Team. Amazing season and he's an exceptional talent. And when I came up in the top 100, I was for one year the youngest guy in the top 100 and I was 21 already. And now there are so many young guys coming up again. So I think we, we have a good change and tennis has a bright future. Rafael Nadal. He's a great player. He, he's playing fantastic. and. And now he's winning two tournaments in a row, no? so 
it's great to see him playing that well and let's see but uh, his level is huge and he's able to win in every in every event that he's playing now happy that it's going this way and I'm happy to, to have played those matches and obviously winning is way more fun than, than, than just uh, being an average player. 20-year-old Alexander Sasha Zverev, the first to qualify for the next-gen ATP finals in Milan, but those following in his footsteps are keen to lay down their own markers. Shapovalov leading 6-4 in the final set tiebreak. Nadal serves backhand return. Forehand Nadal to the backhand of Shapovalov. The forehand from Nadal is down the middle. Backhand Shapovalov down the middle. Both players playing safe. Now the bigger forehand from Shapovalov. He has a big forehand down the line. Winner! He falls to the ground. He throws his racket away. He now looks up as if he doesn't believe what he's done. And there are many people here who don't believe what he's done. But they had seen it. They had seen him beat the great Rafael Nadal. He has been beaten by Denis Shapovalov. What a wonderful match. Even without the victory, this was already a coming of age for the young Canadian. He's 18 years old, and boy, is this guy going places. The breakthrough for Denis Shapovalov in Montreal was followed by a fourth-round appearance at the US Open, which came as a surprise to many, but not to fellow player Vasek Pospisil, top Canadian journalist Tom Tebbett, and Louis Borfiger, who heads up Canada's National Training Centre and who he heard from alongside the man himself. My parents, being from uh, from Eastern Europe, uh, they're more into tennis than hockey, but uh, obviously uh, it was tough to pick. I never myself played hockey but I always wanted to um, but you know having a mom that played played tennis uh, it helped me lead toward tennis. How much better are you uh, how much wiser are you perhaps uh, with the experience of being out on the ATP world tour? Yeah definitely I mean uh, in, in, in a tennis world a year is a lot of time and you know I just feel a lot more mature and I feel like a, a different a different person a different player than I was a year ago and uh, uh, it's a new year, and uh, hopefully I could do it again. How would you describe your style of game? I try to be aggressive. You know, I really go for my serves and my forehands. Um, try to come in a lot, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think I have a lot of variation. I can uh, I can grind when I need to, but uh, obviously I, I try to be aggressive. A big thing about tennis is clearly the mental game. Is that one of your strengths, uh, mentally tough? Yeah, I think uh, I've, really, I've really worked with Marty a lot to improve on that, and, uh I've gotten pretty mentally tough over the past couple of months, and uh, yeah, I think I think that's what's been helping me win a lot of matches recently. And uh, you know, I'm I've I've still got a lot long way to go uh, by you know with improving that. But uh, yeah, I think I've, I've I've improved a lot on that point. I have a lot of uh, faith in Dennis in the sense that he, very simply, he's a very 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 good tennis player, a very very promising tennis player. He's got a gorgeous one-handed backhand. I mean, he drills that thing cross-court. It's a real beauty. He can put it down the line. Obviously, he has a good forehand. He's left-handed, so and he has a good serve. He's very comfortable in that, so he's an all-round player. And the other thing is, as you've probably seen, he's really fun to watch. I mean, he's, he's, he's an exciting player to watch because he has all the shots, and, and he's pretty expressive with his emotions and everything. So, uh, you know, he has a very, very bright future if he can stay healthy. Oh, I like a lot of things about Dennis. I like uh, I like his game because I, for me it's very important to have a, you know to have a good technique. To, to have, that's very important for the to have no limit with in you know, a technical side. And also I like his mentality. You know, he's, he's, he's playing on the center court, but he's playing with he enjoys to play on the center court, and he, 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 he's very good. You know, 
to have a good level when he needs a good level. That's for I like a lot of things in Dennis for sure. There's no limit really. It's tough to say where where how much further it can go because uh, we just seem to be getting new new talents, young guys coming up. Dennis and Felix, uh, you know, they're they're uh, shown they've shown they have tons of potential and they can really make it to the top of the the sport. So uh, I think we have a very bright future and. I'm just uh, very thrilled and you know proud that I've been uh, part of that uh, in some way. And if the future is bright for Canada, the same could be said for Russia. Hello, my name is Karin Khachanov and you are listening to ATP Tennis Radio. I think when you win your first title, you never expect it, you know, that you think that it can be earlier or later, so you're just waiting for your chances, you know, and that's what it happened with me, so maybe I didn't expect it to win there, you know, but I was playing really good level of tennis and at the end, you know, I, I've done it, so Sometimes I think the first title you don't expect yet. You're based for much of the year in, in, in Barcelona. Um, obviously, you know, clay court events there, clay court practices. Do you think that has drawn you to prefer clay as a preferred surface for you? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. But because normally, you know, how the season is going. So you start the year playing on hard, then you change on clay like two months, then you play on grass, then again, let's say like we are now in the middle of the season, you can play a few weeks on hard court or clay and then again hard outdoor and hard indoor so when I came to Barcelona we were doing the same as always so just practicing on the surfaces that I had tournaments in front of me so I don't think that I started to play more on clay I think it just fit, fits me well so and I improved my game a lot on clay. A lot of people are talking about you as you know as one of the game's kind of rising stars how much extra sort of as that spotlight do you feel that do you does that affect you at all that now people a lot of people talking about you and I prefer not to think about it and not to listen too much so I'm not reading a lot of press about me so I'm trying to focus on my things that I have to do on my game so with my team you know the work that I have to 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 do in, and what I have to improve so that's my main goals you know for now I'm trying to be away from from talking too much about myself but you've played some big names this year, and, and all of them, have had, I think, uh, played Murray, played Nadal, played Federer, all said really positive things about you. Mm-hmm. When you hear those comments from those kind of legends of the game, if you like, how does that make you feel? No, it feels great, and you can see that the players, they, they are respecting you as a player, That uh, also that I'm improving, and definitely it motivates me to work even harder. What is it that you think you need to work on to, to reach the, to reach their level, to, you know, to compete with those big guys on a, on a daily basis? As I said, uh, still a lot of work in front of me. And yeah, I'm now close to top 30, but you are talking about to be top 10 or top 5, so still there are some stages in front of me to pass first, so top, top 25, top 20, and it's, I need everything, I need to improve everything, so I don't, go, I don't like to go specific in some terms, so I need to improve everything. And, you don't know how much time it will take, so I'm trying to improve day by day and we'll see where it's going to bring me. Consistency has been the key for Hachinov with 20 match wins this season. For most of 2017, the young Russian's been sitting in second place in the race to Milan standings. But after the US Open, that all changed when 19-year-old Andrei Rublev reached his first Grand Slam quarter-final. ATP World Tour Uncovered's Gabriel Clark spoke to Rublev and his coaching team. Everything is step by step. Of course, I feel much better, I feel much comfortable, I feel more confidence. Now is the moment when uh, I'm going to play main tournaments with uh, good players, top players. I have a good chances to fight uh, with these guys to win one, two matches and I have to be ready 
100% every match because to, to compete with them it's, it's really tough and you have to be ready. But still it's a long way to go, uh, still a lot of things to improve and we'll see what's going to happen. Andre is coached by Spaniard Fernando Vicente. The former world number 29 has brought a lot to the young Russians game. Fernando is a little bit who always take relax, you know. When it's a tight situation, he always puts some jokes to make it more uh, easy. When you see him on court, it looks very aggressive and very crazy. But uh, out of the court, it's a very nice guy. We have fun. He's great with people, so he creates that kind of environment that uh, I think helps him a lot. Fernando is he's really smart about shot selection, tactics. So he brings a lot to that. The key for him was to be able to perform on the highest level for a longer period of time. And he don't really think about the uh, tactic part of the game. So that's the most important thing that we work with him. The way he has very nice shots, but he needs to know the way to use it. His limit, you don't have limit because he's very young, he, he has everything to improve. Our job is to work every day as hard as possible, try to have a good mentality. So, well, we decided to, to, to do preparation. Well, I think uh, the team was working really great and hard, and I think myself also, I was trying to push myself. And uh, now we're still working a lot in his uh, fitness part. Now he, he's fitter, so if he can keep his level for three, four hours, he can beat anybody out here. In July, Andre broke through to win his first career title in UMAG. The Russian became just the seventh player in history to win an ATP World Tour title as a lucky loser. It was an amazing feeling to win my ATP title. I mean, of course, uh, I think every player wants to do this and they're playing for to win these tournaments, to win ATP, to win Masters, to win Grand Slams, so it was amazing. I mean, Andre finished number one in the world when he was junior and the expectations to him is uh, a lot and it's not easy to manage these uh, things. I can make a good matches, I can make a good victories, but I was not putting you know, pressure to myself. I have to do it before uh, the season is over or something. I didn't put some goals to me to win title or to finish somewhere. I was thinking that I'm going to try to do my best. And he won his first ITP tournament. I mean, it was a big surprise for me because he won on clay court. He don't really like clay almost first or second round. And I was thinking that uh, clay is not for me. And at the end, he started to lose a lot in clay. And it was a big surprise for us. But in my opinion, it was a little bit earlier because I never expect this, this uh, title this year. He, he was playing really well. He has time to run around and hit this big forehand. And any day when it's on, it, he's, he's so tough to Play. But in the end I won the title and I feel so comfortable to play on clay and now I understand that I also can play on clay. Andre is in a prime position to qualify for the next-gen ATP Finals. I was in a good position of course. Uh, if you ask me after three weeks, uh, I will tell you it's going to be there for sure. But now everybody I think is a good thing now to make this kind of event. Just focus to play good tournaments. To, to try to win matches, because if you you win matches, anyway you get points. So if you get points, you're going to be closer to Milan. I mean, everything is possible. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio.
There are currently three Russians in the qualification places, with Daniel Medvedev more than making up the numbers with seven ATP quarterfinals in 2017, including a final in Chennai and a first-round victory over Stan Wawrinka at Wimbledon. Hoping to break the Eastern European stranglehold are a number of players from America, and whilst Jared Donaldson in sixth is currently the only player from that country who'd qualify as of right, there are plenty making a charge, including a certain someone who pushed Roger Federer all the way at Flushing Meadows. Cross-court for the winner of the set goes Francis Tiafoe, but he's taking this match into a decider. Earliest tennis memories, geez, goes way back. Uh, probably the first tournament I won was at the club I play at uh, when I was in, in Maryland. Um, I remember I was down like 6-1, 5-1 and came back in the finals and won. I was like, I fell to the ground. I was like eight years old. <laughs> I made it seem like the biggest thing ever. But yeah, that was probably one of my favorite tennis memories. And then uh, uh, watching Del Porto play at the at the Leg Mason uh, in D.C. was probably probably the best thing ever, especially he was my first pro to, to, sign, a, to sign a ball for me. So that so that meant a lot. And he's always going to be, you know, one of my biggest idols. And because luckily I was right next to the court, and uh, he was the first one. I didn't have to wait too long. Uh, there was like probably two, three people before me, and then uh, I got his autograph. But I was about, well, I want to say I was eight, nine. It was about maybe ten. I was real young, and I really looked up to him because he was one of the younger guys. And then a year later, he went to the U.S. Open, so that was, that was pretty crazy. So uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's an unbelievable player and also an unbelievable person. It was great to finally get a hit with him at Indian Wells and. Uh, and seeing his seeing his comeback was just spectacular. So uh, happy for him. Uh, your father is originally from Sierra Leone. What do you know about the country, and have you ever visited there? Both parents uh, actually immigrated from there. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was there when I was about eight, nine. Um, last time I was there. Uh, hopefully, I can get over there again. Um, you know, it's a great country, small country, but um, you know, great country. I have a lot of family and friends there. Um, you know that that's still uh, trying to keep in touch with me as best as possible. So I really, I really like it there, um, and uh, and I like the support I get from there. Um, you know, even people I don't know, you know, getting my number and messaging me after big matches. So it, it, it means a lot, and uh, hopefully I can you know help that country as my as my career progresses, and uh, I plan to give back to that to that country a lot. Are there any uh, native foods there in Sierra Leone yeah. that you like? Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely African raised, so uh, I definitely eat a lot of eat a lot of you know African rice. You know, there's you know fufu, uh, so a bunch of stuff like that. Francis Tiafo, one of many Americans in contention, and commentators Sam Gore and Jimmy Arias, who reached the top of the game as a teenager himself, were set the task of picking out some others from the U.S. who could make the grade. That's actually difficult because one guy who hasn't done particularly well this year, but I can't believe at some point he won't be ranked in the top 20 in the world, and it's only because he's seven feet tall, is Riley Opelka. I mean, he's the new John Isner, and he sh- he actually has a more game at the same age than Isner had. So I expect him to make a jump at some point. The problem is he's losing a lot of close matches. And his style of play, those big servers are not going to break serve a lot because they can't move that well. They have to win tie breaks. He's been losing quite a few tie breaks. That's why he's losing matches. He's the first name that pops in my head just because he's got such an advantage. If you can serve 140 miles an hour in the corner from the trees, you should be winning quite a few matches out here so I was impressed with Jared Donaldson here both on and off the court incredibly mature young guy good hit on him and 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 certainly uh you know he's got 
a good serve. Uh, he's got good ground strokes. He's athletic. He he seems to be a player, you know, for a 20-year-old who's really, you know, on the rise pretty quickly too. Yes, you're right. He's And he seems to beat the top players. He makes his points in Masters 1000s and Grand Slams. He seems to make third round. Round of 16, he's 0 for 8 now in round of 16 matches, so that's a bit of a problem. And he was up 6-0-2-0 in the round of 16 here. Having said all that, he's young, he is playing very well, and he's improved quite a bit. His serve was a weakness a year ago, and he's now serving, as you said, pretty big. Um, So that was a huge improvement that he had. His ground strokes are dangerous. He takes it early, he hits them hard, they're accurate. He doesn't have, the one thing he's missing for me, and he can get this maybe, is what I call intangibles. And that is, if he's pulled way out of the court, the feel to come up with a slice on the dead run that finds a good spot. It's almost, you can't practice that. That's just doing it enough or something to have feel, to have the right feel. And that's where he's, he's a little lacking at that stage. Up at the net, suddenly having to improvise when someone hits hard, that kind of stuff. I think Escobedo is phenomenal. And he certainly would be one of the top contenders. Uh, I really like uh, Taylor Fritz's game. I think with Taylor, it's just a matter of now managing his body. He's growing at an exponential rate, and he's still young. So just uh, taking care of that body will go a long way to determine whether or not he fulfills his potential. He's already had a fantastic start to his career. But just his body type and the weapons he possesses, I think he's one that could break out of the pack and be a a top-20 player. It's very difficult to say who's going to be the one that really breaks through. Too, Too soon to say. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. For tickets to ATP World Tour Masters 1000 events, go to the ATP World Tour website and click on tournaments. I feel very good here. It's uh, like a family thing. It's very easy going, I would say. They say home is where the heart is. And for next-gen star Borna Cioric, nothing beats life back in Croatia and family time with his sister. We talk like not every day maybe but text each other so I know everything was happening and he also know what's happening in my life but of course I miss him. A tennis prodigy from a young age, Borna had followed his sister's path. She started playing first and I need to watch her but I was too young to go in the group, just turned four but I wanted to play because I just wanted to do something so... That's how I started, basically. Then we all saw that I'm much better than her. <laughs> yeah, I stopped like two months Yeah, she, she, she stopped very soon, but she wanted to go for dancing, right? Yeah, yeah. So she needed to choose between dancing and tennis. Yeah. And I, I've, I've, I've chosen tennis. <laughs> when I was younger, I was really, I was a little bit weird, you know, in my opinion. She was like just thinking about tennis. Yeah, and yeah. I wouldn't do anything, anything else, you know. That if you want to do something, you know, you, you need to you need to sacrifice something for that, you know, so. He was really good. Not anymore, but when I was <laughs> younger, I was, was, I was good. I was really, I had a great future. Yeah. 2017 has seen the Croatian move to the next level. His first ATP World Tour title coming in Marrakesh. I lost in two finals, so. I really wanted that title, you know, and uh, coming to Marrakesh, I honestly didn't expect it. Born at Chorich. Wow. We were at home, my mom, our uh, grandma, grandmother, uh, one cousin, and we were all watching and everything, so we were, like, very happy. The tennis world really took notice in Madrid in May, when Borna beats world number one, Andy Murray. 
comes out wide, Murray does return it well. Drop shot from Choric is a good one. Murray gets there but puts it in the trap lines and Border Choric has beaten the world number one. He's thrust his arms in the air. Big fist pump. He has beaten Andy Murray 6-3, 6-3. Knocked him out of the Madrid Masters. Work for Murray to be done before the French Open. What a win for Bonacoric. Everything just came together there because I think he's also one of the best match of this season. I text him like, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I'm okay. so happy, like hearts and something like that, yeah. He is still just 20 years old. And if being back home with Bruna brings out his boyish charm, it doesn't negate Borna's naturally competitive streak. And what better way to test that sibling rivalry than an evening sea fishing with the family? I don't think it's going good. I, I think I'm very I'm empty-handed, so... <laughs> but it's fine. I have a catch when, uh, when you guys stop filming then. <laughs> so whilst we're on the water, who's the better swimmer? I can just make it shorter, I'm, uh, I'm better at <laughs> everything. <laughs> we don't have to waste time, I'm joking. Okay, swimming, me. <laughs> I think we can agree on that, no? Yeah, yeah okay. sure. Okay, but who's the best dressed? That's a good question, yeah. I think we both dress very good. I'm a little bit lucky because I have very good sponsors, so I cannot miss yeah. with my clothing, but she knows what to pick and she also helps me what, yeah. what to I pick. I like to choose for him also what yeah. he should wear or something, but we most agree about yeah. everything. We yeah. have like yeah. a really similar taste in clothes. And on the dance floor? Me, for sure. Me, yeah. Bruno. But it's Borna's tennis, though, that will do the talking in 2017. The young Croatian is a figurehead for the next-gen campaign and a big contender in the Emirates ATP race to Milan. It's going to be very fun. I think it's going to be very good for us as well, uh, also for the ATP. So I think, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be very cool, definitely. And for some players, there's added incentive to reach Milan, as Rob Curling discovered when he met a promising Italian who's been putting in the hard yards with his team. Mentally, he's really strong. He's a worker. So it's really simple and easy because he's a good guy, first of all. Matteo Berrettini is one of Italy's youngest and finest talents. With the help of longtime coach Vincenzo Santopadre, the 21-year-old has always had the motivation to succeed. I started when I was seven because my little brother was playing and he told me every day, come on, start to play, start to play. And then I said, okay, I'm gonna try and I never stopped when, <laughs> when I started. I remember well, we were playing in court number five. He came with his brother, that is, he is a player too. And they were a little bit tight both, but uh, it was a nice day. And I saw soon that, uh, that these guys are uh, really kind. Uh, they are uh, good guys, fundamentally. Then we started to work together. We tried to improve day by day and uh, trying to, to put on them the mentality to have the sports mentality, the winning mentality to stay on the court. <laughs> He's good for me because I improve a lot and uh, he, he learned me a lot. For Matteo, the support and guidance of his coach has been crucial. But along the way, there's been no bigger influence than his family, especially his younger brother, Jacopo. 
I practice with him and fortunately I win the <laughs> uh, most of the time but he is improving a lot he's uh, younger than me but he's a good player we have a good relationship and we talk about tennis a lot we we practice together like in the, in the courts and in the gym also and uh, it's nice have a family like mine in July Matteo did his family proud on home soil in San Benedetto, he won his first ATP Challenger title. The win has propelled him into a great position for the next-gen ATP finals. New things are good for the tennis to, to change something because we have four players, Mario, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer. They are amazing players. They, they still won every single tournament we have, so it's good to view new faces for the young players and also for the, the young fans. With the next-gen ATP finals taking place in Milan, it's no wonder the passionate and proud Italian is eager to qualify. A lot of people like tennis in Milan. I saw the project of the stadium or the arena, so it's going to be a, an amazing, amazing place to, to play, amazing courts. The concept of the arena is going to be really, really good, so I'll try my best, I'll try my best to, to be there. With hopes high and ambition to match, can Matteo Berrettini make it to the next-gen ATP Finals in November? And if he does, he'll get a warm welcome from Sergio Palmieri, the director of the Internazionale Biennale d'Italia in Rome, who's been working in preparation for the finals alongside the ATP executive chairman and president, Chris Commode. The next-gen uh, ATP final are really uh, something which we are looking for with a lot of interest. Uh, we embrace the idea of a, uh, Chris Kermode and uh, right after the, the moment you know, he mentioned to me this possibility, I jump on it and uh, I tell him you know, how big was our interest in this event. He's a challenger. I think you know this is the right moment to have that kind of event and you know, we need to believe on the young coming up player and uh, Milan uh, is a great city and uh, we have a great champion play there in the past and uh, I believe it's going to be a very successful event and uh, it's, a, it's a challenge because you know it's up to us and to the ATP to try to build the event in the best way we can. We are test casing innovation and um, when we've gone through this process right from the beginning uh, the Italians really understood what I was trying to do here um, which was you know we have a responsibility to look for the sport 10-20 years ahead and this sort of seed of an idea came to me sort of 18 months ago two years ago where I was thinking look we need to look at the next generation of fans as importantly as the next generation of players. So where is the next generation of fans coming from? So my kids are in their 20s. How can I get them to be engaged with tennis? Um, what, you know, they're consuming sport and any entertainment product in a completely different way than how I grew up. So, you know, multiple devices, shorter formats, whatever. So that's where the seed started from. And it's like, well, let's look at what we should test case. 
And it's amazing how straight away, you know, the hardcore traditionists were going, oh, my God, you're going to revolutionize the game and it's working. And, and it's a valid point because tennis is in the best place it's ever been. So we're not going to mess with the game, uh, you know, for the sake of doing that. It will be carefully done, but at least we test case it. And where sport gets criticized is for never changing with the times. And, you know, they'll only change. Generally, sport only changes when the business model starts to go down or the trend you know lack of attendance lack of tv numbers that's when you normally get a collective buy-in for change we're in the luxury of being in the best place we've ever been so let's look at what we could do and maybe some of the ideas we try that we think conceptually are good don't work at all and maybe some of them we didn't think are great turn out to be really brilliant maybe there's a hybrid of the, of the both but let's see and let's experiment and i think there's a real momentum and a buzz to do this because there is no way in 10 15 years time that you know kids of 20 are going to watch a six-hour product i just don't believe that so let's start looking at it now we've got plenty of time we don't have to rush into it but let's be ready for it rather than having this panic when it's too late What we can be certain of is that with rule changes and young players continuing to make a name for themselves, we are set for a magnificent week in Milan. With race leader Alexander Zverev of Germany already qualified for the inaugural next-gen ATP finals with 4,220 points, six more automatic places remain, with the eighth player being chosen by wildcard. Russian Andrei Rublev is in second with 1,084 points after his stunning run to the quarterfinals of the US Open, with countryman Karen Hashinov in third with 990. 18-year-old Canadian sensation Denis Shapovalov is in fourth. Croatian-born Achoric is in fifth with 876 points. And in sixth, it's the American Jared Donaldson. In seventh, we have another Russian, Daniel Medvedev, who remarkably has battled mononucleosis to be in real contention for Milan. And in eighth place, it's 21-year-old Yong Chung from South Korea, who'll be looking to make a push as the ATP World Tour heads to Asia. Be sure to join us on the ATP Tennis Radio channel and podcast as the race to Milan intensifies. We'll be back next weekend with more interviews and features from the ATP World Tour. And the next live coverage will come to you from Tokyo and Beijing with the finals of the respective 500 events. And they're followed by full ball-by-ball commentary of the Shanghai Masters starting the 9th of October. This is ATP Tennis Radio. If you like this podcast, please visit the iTunes store and search ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. The future of tennis is now. The rulebook rewritten. Eight new stars are emerging to carve up the court. What's a strike? Their game is fierce with attitude, hungry to take the spotlight. The court is ablaze with music and lights. It's like nothing you've seen before. The game has changed. Next Gen ATP Finals. Get your tickets now at nextgenatpfinals.com.